Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you, so call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right. We've endured the meme stock craziness and the collapse of Bitcoin. Went to surprisingly low levels, although it's still more than doubled since last fall. We've dealt with Fed officials making it clear that they're no longer on the side of the bulls or the bears. They're on the side of the job growth, but still wary of inflation. We've seen the end of the rush to get vaccinated which means millions of Americans will get the new COVID variant because they refuse to get a couple of injections. We've watched as the hopes for the infrastructure bill have collapsed. We've endured shortages of everything from chips to plastic to imported goods to labor. And we're still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, we got an Elton John market going here. Dow gaining 69 points. S&P climbing 0.51%. NASDAQ jumping 0.79%. All-time high. We're now in a moment where the masks are off. Even if they shouldn't be. And Americans are back to doing what we do best. Spending money! I think this is one of those times where we can afford to do some reflection. Even if it's shallow. See, things are cool. It's not a big moment. There's no real news for a bit. And it's a historically strong period for stocks. We're heading to a good one. Now, when you pick stocks, you're trying to identify superior companies. But you can't actually do that unless you know what those companies do. I always say that you shouldn't own individual stocks unless you have the time and inclination to actually do a little homework. That means reading the quarterly reports of the conference calls, Googling some articles, possibly getting your hands on some sell-side research. If you can't do that, again, you're better off sticking your money in an index fund because when the stock goes down, you won't know what to do. My rule of thumb here is simple. If you ran into me on the street, and the reason I mention that is because people are now running, me on, running to me on the street again, and I asked you why you like a certain stock, could you give me three reasons? And I mean real reasons. Not just you like something because it's going higher or because your buddy told you it's going higher. If you don't know how they make their money or who their key clients are or even what businesses they're in, then you got to do what I've been telling people who catch me down on Wall Street. When I see them, maybe you, you got to sell. You got to sell now. Okay, because if it goes down, you're going to sell it then. 
I bring this up because without a mask, people can recognize me. And assuming I'm not holding NVIDIA the second, uh, also known, by the way, as Ragu, I can carry on a conversation. But in the last week, when I asked people about their favorite stocks, I found myself at a loss because almost no one seems to know what they own. Still, they thirsted for individual stock knowledge because they know business is better now than they're coming out of the pandemic. They actually wish they could own better stocks. So what do I do? Look, I can't make you do research. I know you people will buy individual stocks regardless of what I tell you, even when they shouldn't. And that's why I'm trying to be pragmatic tonight about this. So I got a list. You want less homework? I got the less homework list. You need to buy stocks that are, one, easy to understand. Not stocks like Unity Software or Snowflake or Twilio or Okta. I mean, too, you, you should uh, still try to Google some articles and peruse the conference call. But most of all, you need to know and like the company's products so you can confidently buy more if the stock goes down. So let me give you some of the most accessible stocks I know in this market. Stocks that are perfect fit for a lazy, lower homework portfolio. So if you bump into me on the street, you can say, hey, I bought the uh, buy you what you know stocks. Or I was really lazy and I bought the buy you know stocks. So the first one, uh, just right there for you, Ford. I think the new Ford lineup is amazing. The electric F-150 series will be incredible. Personally, I'm eager to get a Maverick for my family because it's a smaller pickup that you can get the job done on this farm I bought with the winnings from my crazy foray into Bitcoin. I like the competitive edge of Ford's new CEO, who says he's going to bury Elon Musk when the lightning electric truck comes out. I love that, right? Who's ever buried Elon Musk? This guy will. I even think the Bronco. Have you seen the Bronco? I think it's pretty cool. Most important, though, Ford's been hobbled by the chip shortage, and my sources tell me that that shortage is easing and will end in the next month. My semiconductor friends tell me that the foundries are producing more feature-rich chips, which means Ford can pump out new cars and trucks the way it should. Plus, used car prices have finally plateaued. Last 15 days, they've been about the same, and that tells you new car production is coming back. I like Ford. Ka-ching! Second low-effort stock, Costco. The free samples are coming back. What more do you need to know? You need things in bulk, right? You want low prices? Maybe you need insurance, hearing aids. Hey, they got all sorts of stuff you may not even think about. If you go, you'll buy far more than you first came for. It's my kind of store. And remember, they make the money off the memberships, and the memberships are going to grow. And China is where the action will be. Ka-ching! Low effort stock number three, American Eagle Outfitters, now known as AEO. The kids love this one. And we just bought it for the Travel Trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. When Jay Schottenstein, the CEO, came on this show recently, he made it clear that his Aerie, and that's A-E-R-I-E brand, has real staying power. Did you know that it's had 26 consecutive quarters of double-digit growth? 26. I, that's no flash in the pan, right? Number one brand in jeans for the 15 to 25-year-old demographic in denim is hotter than I've ever seen it, the best of them all. How did I learn about this one first, though? Simple. I see the credit card bills. Low effort stock number four. I heard my back in January. Remember that? I mean, everybody knew about it. It's kind of ridiculous. I kept talking about it. It was repulsive after a while. Uh, now, I got to do my physical therapy. I have this really cool pair of sneakers. I'm not going to say what they are because I can't pronounce it. Uh, but they fit me perfectly. And uh, Salkany, Salkony, help me here. Salkany, yeah. And I love them. And I'm always taking them on my vacation now, too. And that means I misplaced them. So I went on Amazon this morning, and lo and behold, I saw those shoes for half price. At first, I thought it was only one shoe. Then I realized. 
realize, no, they have price. And I, I, I went over everything I bought in the last year, and then I got a bunch of those things, too. I bought everything on half price. I bought a pair of binoculars. I thought it was like a one-ocular, you know? No, mine were stolen. Half price. Amazon Prime Day. The prices are insane! Yep, Amazon's universal. So I was chatting with Alexa while I was ordering. I mean, who else is up at 3.30 a.m., right? I mean, other than Alexa, getting some new music, asking questions. I saw that despite all the sturm and drang about Amazon orders coming late, all the delivery dates were within range, and they don't put some delivery date and then blow it. Now, I didn't click on any of the ads, although I did buy a pair of shoes last week by mistake. I didn't need the speed of the, of the Amazon Warp Services division, but the whole thing reminded me how special this company is. I don't care if it's a header behind for the moment of plan. I would just buy some and buy some more when the stock goes down. Final low effort stock, Apple. Now, if you don't own Apple yet, you should look at what you're holding at this very moment. Go look. Look at what's in your hand. Yes, right now. Or look at what's in your lap. Or look what's on the table beside your fork. It's the ultimate utensil. And then think about the bill you paid last night without knowing it. Yes, that's right, for the service stream. Think about what you bought in the app store yesterday. Think about what would happen if your phone were to break or get stolen or left in an Uber or, heaven forbid, dropped through the pool or, or even the toilet. It's been known to happen. There. That's what's good. This, you buy in a good environment something like this. And by the way, Siri is not hurt if you call her Alexa. She just says no problem if you call it, if you say that by mistake. Now, um, in this environment, you don't want to invest too much time and effort, right? You just want to go for stocks that companies you know and love because they get hit. Well, I'm giving them to you, okay? There's five. These are five that I've done a massive amount of homework for. I'd like to think I can't be out homeworked on any one of these. And so I can keep you up on them, and then you don't have to think, wow, I wish I had some stock that Jim liked. You have the confidence to buy more into weakness. Here's the bottom line. Accept this moment. It's a good one. Don't try for the hard money. Right now, go for the easy money, because the easy money is the best kind. Marvin in Florida. Marvin. Jim, thank you for taking my call, and kudos for your staff who sets up these phone calls. Oh, no problem. I've no problem. You, I've been watching you to the days of Kudlow and Kramer going back many years followed you all through these years and have enjoyed and profited from your expertise in the financial Uh, markets and the stock. You are very nice. I come to work every day, despite my wife's insistence not, because of people like you. I mean, you make me realize this show is of value, and I really thank you. If I bump you into the street, man, I'll buy you one. Take you down to the bar, St. Miguel. What's up? I also enjoy your exuberance and boundless energy. I still love it. It makes it so delightful as well as informative. Thank you. I have bought Zoom video communications very early on. I booked a very nice profit. Of course, it's down from its highs, but I still have a big profit. I sold half when I doubled. And right now, my concern is because of its high price-earnings ratio, does it have enough growth to justify that going forward. All right. Well, you told me several things there, Marvin. First of all, you told me you sold half. So you're playing with the house's money. I really like that. Second, you're worried about the growth, which everybody's worried about. But I would tell you that, if, and I didn't like Eric Yuan selling a lot of stock the other day. I saw the insider sale. But if you think that company isn't a moving target, if you think they're just going to sit there and say, okay, we've done everything we're going to do, that's wrong. I applaud your decision to stay along with the rest of it. 
and I think you'll be okay. All right, and thank you for those kind comments, and my staff thanks you, too. All right, don't be a hero. I want you to go for the easy Is there anyone? No. Okay, you may not know this one, okay, but ask your kids. Your kids always know it's right, all right? This is the best kind, the easy money. On Mad Tonight, President Biden announced the U.S. likely will not reach his goal of getting 70% of American adults vaccinated by the 4th of July. I guess some people want to get this variant. They must think it's very special. But it, it's not for lack of trying. I'm talking with the CEO of Nextdoor to find out how it's working to get out the vaccine word. Then, tension is building in the run-up to GlaxoSmith Klein's Investor Day on Wednesday. With the CEO facing a challenge from activist investors, what's ahead for the company? I'm going to tell you what to watch for. And CNH Industrials plowing deeper into agriculture. $2.1 billion acquisition of precision ag company Raven. I'm sitting down with the CEO, who happens to be a familiar face, Scott Wine. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today, we got a disappointing update from the White House, no doubt. We will not be able to hit President Biden's target of a 70 percent adult vaccination rate by the 4th of July. Turns out a lot of people don't want to get vaccinated, which I think is a very bad decision. We need to do better as a nation if we want to avoid this new COVID strain that could be even more lethal. 
That's it's certainly easier to catch. That's why I'm so encouraged to see private companies stepping up to help out where they can. Private companies like Nextdoor, the app that helps you connect your neighbors and keep track of what's going on in the neighborhood or post dog pictures, which is what my wife looks at every day. Earlier today, Nextdoor announced the launch of their COVID-19 vaccine map sponsored by companies that we like, Albertsons and Moderna. This map will locate nearby vaccination locations and let locals schedule appointments. Uh, I think it's fabulous, which is why we're checking in with Sarah Fryer, the CEO of Nextdoor. You might remember her as the last job, the bankable CFO of Square. Hear more about this initiative and everything else her company's doing to fight the pandemic and help neighborhoods. Ms. Fryer, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you today. So, Sarah, I know that there are a lot of people who have not been vaccinated. How many of them do you think haven't been because they don't have the kind of information that Nextdoor is going to be providing? And how many just because they somehow don't want it? Yeah, so it's a great question. We know that 47% of the U.S. population has not yet received a vaccination dose. And when we go out and survey the neighbors on next door, we know that 37% of them, so almost two-fifths or 40%, say they would get a vaccine if they were seeing more information. They could be encouraged. And one of the things we know about neighborhoods is it's often finding the right influencer is the key to getting into that neighbor psyche and getting them to perhaps change their mind. So that's why we're launching the vaccine map today. And as you said, launching it with Albertsons Companies and Moderna, two great brands who are helping us get the word out. Hold on, I want to go back to what you said, because I know social media's got influence, but I mean, there'll be people who say, look, I got it and it's great. I mean, who's an influencer in a neighborhood about the vaccine? Yeah, so it depends on your neighborhood, I would say. You know, some neighborhoods, it might be the local pastor. In some neighborhoods, it might be the high school football coach, right? It just depends. But it's actually usually not celebrities. It's not usually folks like you. Sorry, Jim. It's actually the people near and dear that are in your your local proximity to you, the people you trust, the people you talk to every day. And it's often not about them telling you the why to do it. It's telling you that they have done it. And that's what gives people confidence. And so we know when we get that sort of message onto next door, it can make all the difference. All right. So since we last saw you, Sarah, I know when I go, my wife goes to your site every single day. Now, some of it is because we're dog lovers and everybody posts. I mean, I've been begging. We just got a dog yesterday. I've been begging my wife to put, put, uh, put some pictures up. But she also likes to find out what's going on in the neighborhood, crime, but also news stores, any little review. And now I'm seeing some ads. And it seems like the rates are good. How's, how are people doing on it? Yeah, so I, right now people are doing great on Nextdoor. So when I spoke to you, I think about a little over, not a little under a year ago, we were at about one in five households in the United States was on the platform. Today, that's nearly one in three. So like your wife, more people are coming and they're coming with daily engagement. Um, we have broadened the aperture to think about more neighbors. So not just uh, individuals and residents, but also local businesses, Sometimes it's national businesses who act really local, like an Albertsons, for example. And sometimes it's public agencies or nonprofits. So you're getting information that's trusted and real time from a really broad range of sources. People are much more engaged. Our DAOs were up. Our daily active users were up 50% year over year in 2020. And we continue to see that engagement sustaining. So I believe that structurally consumer behavior has changed People are spending more time local, and I don't think we're going back to how we were pre-pandemic. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, sir, because I was with a couple of executives yesterday, of which offline you would know, and they were amazed that the urban areas, some parts are depopulated. 
But then other parts, say like Brooklyn versus Manhattan, are thriving. Are you seeing zip code by zip code that the core urban areas just don't have the activity they used to have? No, I wouldn't say that. But we do see a lot of movement. So I think Zillow actually showed that one in 10 Americans have already moved in the last year. Certainly mid-pandemic, we saw flight from urban areas out to the suburbs. But we actually see movement back now as places like Manhattan really come back to life again. So it isn't per se that one is being valued over the other. But I do think people have moved around a lot. And the other big trend we hear a lot is people saying, I don't want to return full time to an office, right? Here at Nextdoor, we talk about work as a verb, not a place. And so you get your work done, but where you get it done in certain industries, we can be much more flexible. So we see things like Fortune saying three out of 10 workers don't want to return to an office, think they'll rarely do it. And so that means they're going to be working much more locally. And that's great for local businesses, for example. All right. So, uh, Some people are tired of Yelp. Some people have issues with Facebook. Uh, We know that there are various times Twitter's kind of offbeat. Pinterest just too hobby oriented. What we need is a new local newspaper, nationwide local newspaper as an IPO. Will you give us that IPO, Sarah Fryer? Well, we will raise money when the time is right. If we were to raise money, could we invest it? Hell yeah. The platform is doing great at the moment. As I said, engagement is up. We're finding new, more diverse ways to monetize. And of course, we want to keep creating new features and new products that keep that engagement rising. So things like the map, groups, um, all of the stuff we've done around local and small businesses. So we want to keep building. When the time is right to come to the public markets, we will be right there to share that new story with you, Jim. Um, but we want to make sure we're ready to be that public company. Well, look, you're doing a fabulous job. It is just such a great site. And it is just it is one that people go back to again and again, even in your day, many times. Sarah Fryer, just doing a great job as CEO of Nextdoor. Great to see you again. Thank you, Jim. I don't know if you guys go. I mean, you just put your all you do is put your zip code in and it gives you very quick. You find out, like, for instance, what dogs doing next? Well, who's not cleaning up after their dog? What's going on down, down the block? New restaurant. I just think it's a terrific site. And I never had any engagement with my neighborhood before. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, facing a big investor day, should home gamers look to GSK for some portfolio pipeline power? Kramer's got the prescription next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgart, Fgartigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenics.
right, here's an exercise in what it's like to run a company. We have to ask ourselves, what does it take for a struggling company to turn itself around? Especially a household name. Tomorrow, GlaxoSmithKline, the British pharmaceutical giant, is holding an investor meeting. And strangely, this is a uniquely high-stakes event. See, two and a half years ago, Glaxo's then-new CEO, Emma Walmsley, rolled out a plan to breathe new life into her sleepy business. Walmsley decided that the company would merge its consumer health division with Pfizer's, then eventually spin off the combined entity as a separate company. That would leave the stub of Glaxo focused purely on drugs and vaccines. Fast grower. I thought it was a great plan, but boy, it's taken a long time to play out. Tomorrow, we'll finally get some clarity on what the new Glaxo will look like. That's why this investor meeting is such a huge deal. It's not the only reason, though. This is also turning into an activist story. Elliott Management, yes, the notoriously tough activist hedge fund group, but a very smart group of people, has taken a multi-billion dollar stake in GlaxoSmithKline. And while they're not yet waging a public campaign against the entire board of directors, it looks like they might be coming for the CEO's head if we don't see some big news here. See, Glaxo's stock has underperformed significantly ever since Walmsley took over a little bit more than four years ago. The company's got some difficult patent expirations coming up. The consumer spinoff hasn't paid off yet. And worst of all, their storied vaccine business has been a total non-entity, a no-show in the COVID-19 vaccine race. If the plan is to separate the consumer division, leaving behind a pure play drug and vaccine maker, then the plan's a lot less compelling when those businesses aren't doing so hot. So as GlaxoSmithKline heads into its pivotal investor meeting tomorrow, I want you to know what to watch out for. Lots of individuals own the stock because management could turn still could still turn things around. But if they don't, I think the activists at Elliott might start pushing for a major shakeup that could be very good for shareholders. First, let me give you some background here. OK, uh, Emma Walmsley used to run. GlaxoSmithKline's consumer business until she was promoted to CEO of the whole company in the spring of 2017. So this is a consumer business exec coming to run a drug company. At the time, the stock was at 42. She spent a year and a half formulating a plan. Then in December of 2018, we get two huge announcements. First, GlaxoSmithKline buys a little drug company called Tessero uh, for roughly $5.1 billion in order to get their hands on Tessero's oncology pipeline, including a variant cancer treatment that had already had FDA approval. A couple of weeks later, we first learned about the consumer spinoff, which put the Tessero acquisition in a new light. Once we found out that Glaxo was merging its consumer business with Pfizer's and then spinning them off into a separate entity, it became clear that the Tessera deal was part of a push to become a more focused, fast-growing drug company. At the time, I was very excited about this move. I remember going out to the J.P. Morgan conference out in San Francisco. I said, yes, this is the answer. Because in addition to the synergies from the Pfizer joint venture, the spinoff should bring in a lot of cash that Glaxo can use to invest in the drug business. Plus, the stock market has very little affection for the current combined GlaxoSmithKline. So why not transform the whole company into two separate pure plays? The problem is this stock has done Nothing while we've waited and waited and waited for the breakup. Granted, Glaxo has been paying you to wait with a bountiful dividend that currently yields 5.5%. But lately, we're starting to hear chatter that Walmsley wants to take an axe to the dividend because she wants to use that money to invest in growth. 
If that's really the plan, I think she's misjudged her shareholder base. There are a lot of people who own big pharma stocks for the income. The last thing they want is a dividend cut. Go ask the ATT people. Go ask those shareholders. ATT just pulled the same thing last month, and their stock has been obliterated. The dividend is literally the best thing about the stock. It's called income. It would be a lot easier to accept this plan if we had confidence in Wamsley's ability to grow the business. Maybe she can give us that confidence in tomorrow's investor meeting. I hope she does. However, this show is not about trying to make friends, is it? It's about helping you try to make some money. GlaxoSmithKline hasn't been much of a moneymaker under Wamsley's leadership. In fact, the stock's down three bucks since she took office as CEO in 2017. And there are reasons for that underperformance. For years, Glaxo's earnings have, been, have remained stagnant. They made $3.10 per share in 2017. And by last year, the earnings had grown all the way to $3.15. To be fair, Walmsley's made no secret of the fact she's investing heavily in new drug development, but it's hard to maintain enthusiasm for a stock after years of flatlining earnings. The thing about investing in growth is that there needs to be a payoff. With the looming spinoff of the consumer business, Glaxo's future is now totally hostage to its new drug pipeline. They need to come up with some blockbuster drugs and vaccines, especially since they're up against some major patent expirations in the coming decades. Unfortunately, the company's experienced some ugly setbacks. Last summer, there were some safety concerns about Glaxo's blood cancer treatment. Meanwhile, the commercial stage ovarian cancer drug they got from Tesaro is off to a slower than expected start. Same goes for Glaxo's shingles vaccine, although a lot of that's because you're not supposed to take it with other vaccines. And right now, everybody's focused on protecting themselves from COVID. Hey, speaking of COVID, GlaxoSmithKline has a legendary vaccine business. It's considered to be a jewel. And they've been working with Sanofi to uh, come up with one for COVID-19. At first, it looked like they were off to a decent start. But then they started lagging behind Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, AstraZeneca. Then in December, when Pfizer and Moderna were ready to go, we found that Glaxo's vaccine candidate created a weak immune response for older adults. Suboptimal. Glaxo and Sanofi are still plugging away, and they recently announced some positive phase two data. But they're just getting started with phase three. I, I got to tell you, by the time they're doubling, I don't even need the additional vaccine. Still, this remains a quality drug company with an enticing pipeline and a very cheap stock. The problem is you could have said the same thing any time in the last few years, and it hasn't meant a thing to the share price. So it's no wonder the activists at Elliott Management want to make a change. They've held back on launching a full proxy fight, possibly because British regulators might crack down on an American hedge fund that gets too aggressive. Although that's never kept uh, Elliott from going after uh, companies in other countries. But at least according to the Financial Times, they want to bring in a new CEO. GlaxoSmithKline's had years of underperformance, and with the spin-off of the consumer business, it's a little strange to have a CEO with a consumer background running the new company. Every other major pharmaceutical company is run by someone with a farm background. So what should you watch for a tomorrow's meeting? First and foremost, we need to know what they're doing with the dividend. Second, we want to see the new long-term forecast for the post-breakup. Glaxo, and we need, we need to see what it looks like. We need more insight into the pipeline figure out how they'll hit those targets. So here's the bottom line. If the rumors are true and GlaxoSmithKline really takes a meat axe to its dividend, then I think you need to be prepared for the stock to get slammed as income-oriented investors dump it. But after it sells off, you could get a good buying opportunity. Either Emma Walmsley tells a great story tomorrow and gives people more reason to own it, or she tells a suboptimal story and Elliott Management pushes for new leadership. Could be a win-win if Glaxo pulls back to the mid 30s. I need to go to Phil in New Jersey, please. Phil. Dr. Kramer, how are you? I am doing well. Good to hear you again, Phil. What's up? Likewise. Uh, I have a question about Thermo Fisher. A few weeks ago, 
I had my eyes on the stock. It pulled back 10%. It was down around 440. I was thinking about pulling the trigger. I missed the ride. Now it's back up to almost its all-time highs. I was thinking about buying it. Do you think I should wait, or can I just buy it and hold it for the long term and forget about it? You know, I was looking at Perkin Elmer, a similar business, and it did uh, hit the all-time high. And we had Perkin Elmer on. I prefer Perkin Elmer more to Thermo, but if Mr. Casper would come on, uh, maybe you can give me more surety. I keep feeling about I was so blown away by how Abbott had to pre-announce Abbott, the steady Eddie. My travel trust took a real hit on that. I want to find out, is Thermo's in good shape post-COVID? John in Massachusetts. John. Jim, how you doing, sir? I am doing well, thank you. How about you? No complaints here. So what's happening? So, uh, my question for you falls under the category of biotechnology, specifically bio and tech. Right. Oh, now, God, I think it's great, but you know what? Uh, Moderna is amazing. And I keep thinking about how I met those guys. What? A, that's a technology company, Moderna. I'd rather see it be in that one. Some good comments today on Scott Wapner's show about Moderna. All right. Here's what to watch at tomorrow's Glaxo meeting. The dividend and the long-term forecast. If the dividend's cut, the stock is going to break. Maybe that's a chance to punt to. I think it is a chance to jump on. Now, there's much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with CNH Industrial, following its $2 billion acquisition of Raven. Then, employers have reported 9.3 million unfilled jobs, the most on record. So where have all the workers gone? I'm putting the U.S. labor shortage into focus. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Yesterday, we found out about a major deal in the machinery space. CNH Industrial, the UK-based manufacturer of industrial vehicles and powertrain solutions, shelling out more than $2 billion for a company called Raven Industries, which makes industrial technology, especially for the agriculture industry. While Wall Street's lost interest in the cyclicals over the past couple of weeks, I think this could be a very enticing story. Farmers are about to be flushed with cash thanks to sky-high crop prices. And even if those prices keep coming down from their highs, we're still going to see a lot of spending on farm equipment. So let's take a closer look with Scott Wine, the new CEO of CNH Industrial. Now, you might remember him as the old CEO of Polaris. To learn more about his business and yesterday's deal, Mr. Wine, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, great to be on with you. Thanks for having us. All right, so Scott, first, you know, we all know you from Polaris. What, what's it like at CNH? You having a good time, and what are you doing? It's a fantastic company, Jim. Tremendous opportunities, tremendous people, and it's kind of fun to serve the noble activities of farmers and construction workers around the world, and uh, really, it's just a, a great opportunity and actually fortunate in a pretty good market for uh, for equipment, as you just said. Well, maybe some people say it's the best ever, Scott. I'm not kidding. Not tame. And I look back at the cycles. It may be the best ever. Now, let me ask you something. They, when I read this deal, which I thought was brilliant, the first thing I thought of is there's such a thing as precision agriculture. Tell people what that is. You know, precision agriculture, Jim, is really giving the farmers the tools they need to be more productive use less um, chemicals on farms, grow more. I mean, tillable acreage is not increasing in the world. In fact, you know, we, so we've got to feed more people on less tillable acreage, and that requires productivity, and productivity really comes through precision ag. And, you know, we're quite good at it now, and I think with the, the um, acquisition of Raven Industries and what we can bring with their capabilities is really going to be great for farmers, and we're tremendously excited about it. Scott, I read about this because uh, I've done some farming, and the most important thing about farming is that, is that someone who has to do it costs money. The stuff I looked into that Raven had, some of them don't require people. 
Well, you know, that's part of it. Productivity is so important, and the, the, we all know that there's a shortage of labor. And as I talk to farmers and some of our dealers, they talk about the need to provide autonomous equipment, and Raven is a leader in that, um, that field. And so we believe with our help, they're going to be able to bring some of those tools to market faster than they could have independently. And we're just really excited about what that means, not only for our financial performance, but for the financial benefits of farmers as well. Well, now, we have uh, Agco on this road. Martin Rieschenagel just retired, but we had them on a number of times. And I was wondering, well, would they want to pay CNH for Raven technology? Or is this a situation where you might lose some customers? Well, you know, Jim, I mean, this is a fairly um, tight industry. So we all kind of sell and buy from each other in certain circumstances. Eric and his team at Agco do a great job, and we buy some products from them, and I think we'll continue to invest and make sure that they have access to the right precision tools because their customers and farmers need it as well. So uh, we, we certainly uh, expect that they'll be a, a good customer for a long time to come. All right. So let me ask you something. When I think of Scott Wine, I think of upright. I think of a guy who served in the military. I think of a guy who thinks truth is all that matters. And your company had a deal with Nikola. Now, Nikola is a change company, but they did some things that you would never do. They had a demonstration of a truck that they basically pushed down that was not uh, honest. And I'm sure you would agree with me. But is this company, which you just announced, you just did a, a, a another release just June 17. You seem to be um, calling it an electrifying partnership. Is, is this a, did they change enough, Scott, that you can like it? Because you could have backed away. We could have, Jim. And I will tell you that I came into this um, this job very skeptical of that partnership and I have been proven completely wrong about my skepticism. It has really been an opportunity to advance our technology, to take the great brand that we have with Aveco and the tremendous history we have building trucks and offer it to a technology partner that Nikola is. And, you know, with their new CEO and with their board, they're a, um, and actually a very strong partner for us, and we're excited what we can do with the first battle of electric products, but ultimately with hydrogen down the road, and it really is a good partnership for us and for them, and we're excited about um, what the future holds. And as you know, we're going to spin off our on-highway business into right. a separate public entity, and we think technology is going to be a, their technology leadership, both with uh, Nikola and also our LNG portfolio, um, really being a, a positive momentum as we head towards that spin. Now, you realize what you just said is going to make people who have been skeptical, uh, skeptical of Nikola change their mind because you're Scott Wine. I mean, this Polaris was run uh, in a way that everyone knew was like clockwork. So you're saying, once again, I'm going to repeat this. You're saying that this is good technology. It's going to work and the people really want it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, they've had a rough go. I mean, you can't, you can't hide from the past they've had. But what we are seeing is a good partner that we expect to partner with them to bring great trucks to market you know, later this year and build on through the future. So that's uh, we're, we're very, very excited about what we can do together. All right. Fair enough. And uh, the breakup, you changed immediately what was going to happen. What didn't you like and how did you decide to do this breakup? Because I think the breakup is going to create a lot of value. You know, our, our board had a great vision. And I think seeing the opportunity to uh, put the ag and construction business, what we are calling the off-highway business, on a separate trajectory, um, you know, the, the heavy-duty truck market is on a different cycle and takes a different right. investment uh, profile, but really has positive upside in its own way uh, going forward. Garrett Marks was just named as the future CEO of that business. And, you know, but we do feel like, and I will stay with the off-highway business, that we've got a tremendous opportunity with uh, Case IH and New Holland and our agriculture, our Case Equipment brands, really to do tremendous work for our 
agriculture and um, construction workers around the world. And it's really an exciting time to be with um, the, the company. I, I, I'm, it's been a busy six months for sure, and it's not slowing down anytime soon, but really excited about what the future holds. Well, you're in an industry that's the hottest it's ever been. You made a really great move, and you know we love your players, but it sounds like you're having a terrific time at CNH Industrial. Scott Wine, CEO of CNH Industrial. Great to see you again, Scott. Missed you. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Guys, I don't know. Look, you, the stock does trade. It trades very actively here. Uh, and and uh, what can I say? Nikola, people going to buy it. Think they have money back into the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time. It's time and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Judson in Iowa. Judson. Hey, Jim. I'm a 25-year-old investor. I just want to thank you for all the education and guidance you provide on your show. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, too. We've got the young people calling. What yep. do you got? I got So the stock I'm calling about today has had a great run-up in the last three months and is expected to spin off a portion of its operations into a separate public company later this year. Would you recommend a buy, hold, or sell on XPO Logistics? All right, Brad Jacobs. And by the way, Steve Weiss has some nice comments. A really unbelievably great halftime show run by the judge. And I agree with Steve Weiss. I think XPO is an excellent company. It will be even worth more after the spinoff. Bye, bye, bye. Let's go to Christopher in Texas. Christopher. How are we doing, Jim? I am doing well. How about you? Excellent, excellent. Needed some advice here. On sure, this I got it. What's that? I got you back. What do you need? MGA, Magna International. Oh, my God. I love that company so much. Look, that's going to be a winner no matter which of these, uh, of any of the SPAC car companies. They should all just hire Magna and just light source it. Just give it to them. Joe in Maryland. Joe. Hello, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're I'm quite welcome. Time, I'm a first-time caller and a fairly recent investor. All right. Uh my call concerns my mortgage company, which is Loan Depot. Uh, it's okay. I mean, you know, the, the problem is this is a very, very commodity-oriented business. And if this is new to you and you're just starting, I'd rather see in a, in a dividend stock. Or I'd rather see in a more consistent player than Loan Depot, which may need housing to stay as hot as it is. How about Robin in Connecticut? Robin! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I just wanted to shout out Bar San Miguel. You guys dish out some of the most fire cocktails in Brooklyn. Well, thank you very much. That Aldama's good. I tried one. Uh, Petri had me taste a real good one the other day. I don't know if it's ready for uh, prime time. What, how can I help? Uh, speaking of fire, this company set the merge with Meta Material Technology. And I wanted to get your long-term outlook on Torchlight Energy, ticker symbol TRCA. That's a meme stock. It had huge volume, and then they, they raised money. I am actually a believer in meme stocks that have raised money because then they're better. Look at AMC. Look at uh, GME. Well, I think AMC should raise more. But that is a meme stock, so it's hard to comment other than to say that they raised money. Good for them. Let's go to Dan in Louisiana. Dan. Hey, Jim. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. From the great state of Louisiana. Great state of Louisiana, go Tigers! Hey Jim, uh, I've got or I had some Qualcomm. I like Qualcomm. I like Qualcomm a lot. I think it's a buy here and that. Ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the 
Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, where have all the workers gone? Kramer weighs in on the state of labor. Next. I've been racking my brain. Where did all the workers go? I mean, this is the big question of the moment. Nobody seems to know the answer, including Jay Powell, Fed chief, who was asked about this very question on Capitol Hill today. And the answer seemed to elude him, too. We do know there are 10 million people who are unemployed and saying they're looking for work, almost double the number from the months before the pandemic began. Yet all sorts of businesses are struggling to find employees. It's a bizarre mismatch. 10 million people need jobs, but apparently not the jobs that are currently on offer. So how did this happen? You know I speak to a ton of CEOs, and I've got to tell you, they're all baffled. The only thing I hear is, well, Amazon hired half a million people. They took the supply. I mean, obviously, that's not the answer, or even the best answer, but it's the one I get multiple times when I press. Let me give you some of my theories, though. First, people have gotten enough stimulus money that they don't necessarily need to work right now, at least not yet. It's much easier to turn down a job offer when you're not living paycheck to paycheck. It's safer, too, since you don't get COVID at home playing video games, whatever you're doing, when millions of people are choosing to catch the new strain rather than get a couple of injections. I swear the flu shot's more dangerous. I would stay at home, too. Second, the expanded unemployment benefits are incredibly generous. I know there are some economists who argue this doesn't matter, but that's impossible for me to believe. As someone who runs a couple of small businesses, we're offering people $18 an hour. But in the state of New York, uh, someone collecting full jobless benefits makes $20 an hour. Once the federal unemployment insurance payments run out in September, that's going to go down to $12 and change. Uh, But for the moment, it pays better to stay at home. A young Jim Cramer with hair would be staying home concocting something really big. Though old Jim Cramer has no idea what that would be. Of course, New York's on the generous side when it comes to jobless benefits. Most states pay less off the bat. And half of them are turning down the extra $300 from the federal government this summer. So we're soon going to have a bunch of test cases. Still, you can't convince me this doesn't matter. We have ads everywhere for my companies to recruit people. Uh, but most, many of them either ghost us on the interviews or they simply turn us down. It's pretty stark. We got a couple of jobs where you can make 70, 80 grand a year if you work really, really hard, long nights, I know, but, uh, but uh, we can't find people to take them. Third, people have moved. When everything shut down during the pandemic, they did some soul searching and moved from the cities to the suburbs or the country. I cannot believe the emptying out of the cities and it's happening all over this nation. It's an existential crisis about the personal cost of living and working in the city. Restaurants that were closed and then reopened simply can't find the people who used to work for them. They left. Fourth, speaking of restaurants and retailers, those jobs have changed a lot since February of 2020. They're a lot more dangerous than they used to be, much higher stress. Nobody gets into retail to be a prison guard or a therapist. Fifth, let's not forget that COVID killed 600,000 people in this country. We've also had many people suffering from long-term complications, others who don't want to leave the house because they're not vaccinated yet. Six, according to America's Press, there are more and more businesses starting, small businesses looking for employees. And while they've heard that 150,000 restaurants may have closed during the pandemic, I now question that number because the restaurant companies I talk to simply don't see it that way. Maybe during lockdown, but not since the country reopened. 
Meanwhile, we've had 568 IPOs so far in 2021, a more than 450% increase versus the same period last year. SPACs, industrials, retailers, you name it. Money's so easy to come by that companies can fight each other for more expensive employees. That translates into higher wages for some, but also creates a vacuum of employees for companies that can't pay up. Finally, the pent-up demand for travel and leisure is amazing. Yet the travel and leisure companies did everything they could to cut back because they didn't expect people to get vaccinated so quickly. Now they need to hire more workers in a hurry, and they can't find their old ones who got laid off and have possibly moved on to greener pastures in other parts of the country. I guess if you really want the, cul- the culprit for all this, I've got two of them, Moderna and Pfizer. They're the ones that created the labor shortage, which just goes to show this is a pretty high-quality problem. Of course, once the jobless benefits expire at the end of the summer, everybody's got to go back to work. Now, I'm, if I'm wrong about this, it's not the jobless benefits. If we keep having a labor shortage in the fall, then Fed Chief Jay Powell might be forced to slam the brakes on the economy by raising interest rates. A little wage inflation is a good thing. But there's only so much we can handle before it destabilizes the whole economy. So let's hope it doesn't come to that in 2022. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise I'll try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.